0: I invite you to take a Bible, uh, if you brought one, or on your smartphone, is, it does do a lot of things other than just photos, uh, as well as maybe a Bible in, on the chair in front of you, behind you, whatever, and grab it, and turn to that little letter uh, that Paul wrote to a group of churches in Galatia, and uh, it's called Galatians, and it's right past the Gospels, a few big books, and then you have those little books that Paul writes to, to churches in various geographical areas. And he's speaking into their lives, and so that's what we got, want God to do for us this morning as well. Uh, my wife uh, saw the title before you did, and she said, Matters of the Heart, and she gave me a compliment, which she doesn't normally do, but she gave me a compliment. She says, that's a great title, and I, you know, I just received that really well. I said, why is, why is that such a great title? And she says, because it sounds like a Hallmark movie. Um, <laughs> And so after she told me that, I was about ready to change the title, but it was already in print, so I couldn't really do that. But really what this, uh, this section in Galatians, in chapter 4, verses 12 through 20, we are looking at a section in which kind of Paul turns the temperature a little bit in the room. Because as Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, really, uh, more than any other letter, he hits them hard. In fact, he doesn't even begin with what you normally do when you want to soften the blow to somebody. You you speak kind words and then you let them have it. Well, he doesn't even start with kind words. He just lets them have it. And and the reason isn't that, that not because he didn't love them, but because they were messing with something that was really dear to his heart, dearer more than anything else in his life. They were messing with the gospel. Or to put it another way, they were messing with the message of Jesus. The good news he had delivered that people could be rescued, set free, and we've entitled this series, Set Free to Be Free, and if they had listened to those who were messing with the gospel, they wouldn't be set free, they'd be brought back into bondage, and they would miss what Jesus came for. And so as we go through a series in Galatians, and sometimes the pastor takes his time going through a particular book, you can kind of miss, where have we been as we look at where we are right now? But he, he is hitting them hard because he, he, they had messed with the message. And so in the first chapter, they had messed with so much because they had messed the essence of the, of the gospel. They, they had missed the main idea, the main point, the main truth. And, and, and people, if they were respond to what some people were changing the message to, to believe, they would miss out on what Jesus had come to do was to forgive us of our sins, to, to change us from the inside out, to allow us to be a, a, a people that could know him personally. And because they had messed with the essence of the gospel, he really cursed at them. That, that's a little bit strong language, but really says, anybody who messes with the gospel gives you a different gospel, let them be anathema, which might they get to hell earlier than other people because they've messed up so much they're going to send other people to there because they're missing the message of Jesus. So as, as they were reading this, I'm sure they were going, whoa, you know, anathema. And, and then he, he changes from not only they, had they had some influence in their lives where they messed with the essence of the gospel. In chapter 2, among other things, he said, now you're, you're messing with the practice of the gospel. Now, now, we never do that, do we? I mean, we have made that step to follow Jesus, and we always live it out perfectly, Right. Well, well, sometimes, and that's what part of what the church is all about is we had have, we need to do life together with people around us. That when we're we're going to stray, people have the courage and the, and the love to speak into our lives. And, and Paul, you know, he 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 was really bold because he just didn't speak in the lives of of some new believer, but he spoke in the lives of one of the apostles, Peter. And Peter had lived it really well and was living it well in, in that geographical area, but now he was getting a little fearful, and he was fearful about what some of his, his brothers from the Jewish faith were going to think about him. And so when they came, he began to shun those who weren't Jewish and only really relate to people who were from the, his ethnic background. Now, now, we never do that, do we? And maybe not because of a color of skin, uh, but maybe because they're not just in our crowd or they're a little bit different than us, and... And because of that, he confronted Peter because he was filled with hypocrisy and treating some people differently than others. And we're going to speak a little bit about that, but God has called us as his people to, to look at everybody uh, and show them love, even whether they deserve it or not. And, and then he gets in chapter three, not only after he, he, he really messes with them with messing with the, the essence of the message of Jesus Christ because they changed the essence of the gospel, they changed the practice of the gospel. Now they were changing the understanding of the gospel. And this was throughout the letter of Galatia. But he said, look, at you, you've taken the message of Jesus and you said, well, that's, that's not good enough. Let's add some things to it. And so they misunderstood all that was in the Old Testament, which was to point to Jesus. And they were trying to bring back people back to that which was a foreshadowing of Jesus. Since Bill talked about you know smartphones being able to take pictures, it's like uh, we live in that day and age, uh, and I'm old enough now to realize it used to be when you took pictures that cost you money. Remember that? <laughs> I mean, it cost you money to develop them. And, and, and now we can just have pictures everywhere that uh, we don't have to pay for once we got the phone because you can just take them digitally unless you want them printed. And then you have to pay. But then if, if you just look at pictures, but, but just think about it for a moment. If, if you were so enamored with taking pictures that you valued the picture of a person more than the person themselves, that you'd rather just look at a picture rather than spend time with that person. And, and see, that's what they were doing. They were taking the law, which was to be a tutor to lead them to Christ, and they were fascinated with the law. And so look at The law is great, but it has a purpose. It's to remind you of the person and go to the person which hopefully that's what pictures do. It reminds you of the people that you were taking pictures of and you just want to be with them. And so as, as they're being hitting hard over and over and over again, you know, you, you could have thought, well, is he just is he, is he always angry? You know, people like that. seems like they're always angry. And, and Paul sometimes gets that, that moniker, I mean, that, that, that label, that he's just always angry, but he, he isn't. He's the one who wrote 1 Corinthians 13, which is, what chapter is that? It's a love chapter, okay? And a variety of other passages where he really is teaching about love, that's really at the, that's at the center of his heart. And so we look at a passage this morning, which really is the matters of the heart, as Paul now kind of, it's not like he's showing a, a, a difference. He's not like he's changing gears. He's just showing the other side of his heart. He says, I, I'm so committed to the truth, but I'm also so committed to you. And so he shows the other side of him as he pleads with him, not only through reason, but also with affection that I, I care about you. It's like he changes from being the professor to, to being a pastor. It's like he changes from being a person who is giving a law brief to saying, hey, I'm gonna write you a love letter. It's said, I, I want you to know why I'm doing what I'm doing and coming down so strong because you, if you mess with the message of Jesus, we, we gotta go there first. We can't talk about other things. So with that, let's, let's look at the text this morning as we look at uh, matters of the heart. And uh, you could say the byline now is this message can give, be brought to you by the letter P. Paul the pastor pleads with his people. He pleads with his people from the heart. And we're just going to make a few observations as we look at, at how he felt about them. So Galatians chapter 4 verse 12, just read the text and we'll just try to make a simple observation as we go through this passage in which Paul terms from reasoning with them and arguing with them and explaining to now say, look, I do this because I really care. And I really believe you care as well. He says in verse 12, I beg you, brethren, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. Now that's kind of a complicated way to say it, but this is one way I would try to summarize his point there in that passage. This is a letter and some people have summarized all of the Bible. The Bible is what kind of letter to us from God? A love letter from God. And if that be true, then the ones he inspired to write those letters, that's what they're doing too. They're speaking sometimes the truth in love, and the truth sometimes is hard to swallow or hear, but it's done from the motive of love. And he says, look, at I, I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm not trying to simply win the debate. I'm pleading with you to understand that, that we are not enemies. We're not foes. We're friends. And just think about when I first met with you. And really my desire for you is, and this is where he hits it pretty strong, I want you to become as I am. I, I really want you to follow my example, and my example is not to be angry with people all the time, or always pointing out people their faults. I, I want you to become a, just a true follower of Jesus. Then he says, "For I also have become as you are." Now that's a that's a very extremely difficult phrase to translate in the in the in the Greek New Testament because in many of your Bibles it will show it's got got some inserted words because it's it's kind of. Uh, There are just words missing, as you would use our language. And and then he says, and by the way, you have done me no wrong. And and really what I think he's doing, he's retelling the story. And and sometimes when you want to get close to someone, connect with them, you you tell them your story and you hear their story. Or once you know their story, you might remind them of the story you've had together. And he says, I want you to understand is that as I, as I look at you, I've been where you have been and are right now, are being persuaded to be. And where were they being persuaded to be? To go back to the law. And, and the law is good, but it has a purpose. And you're trying, going back to where people are saying, you need to be under this, this burden of obeying all those specific laws and commandments that were given in the new Old Testament, which really only had one purpose Purpose throughout the Old Testament is to point people that they couldn't do it. They couldn't measure up on their own. And that, that's where you get that familiar verse in the Bible for all of us have sinned and fallen what? Short of the glory of God. They, they fell short of being able to, to earn their way to heaven. And, and that was good news because then they could look at the sacrifices as a picture of what Jesus would do and what will participate in the communion, that his sacrifice, now his once and for all sacrifice, is sufficient. If you know the story of Paul, he said, look, at, uh, if you were trying to compare credentials of how, how committed a person was to go that way, I was at the top of the list. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was even from that special tribe, Benjamin. And as far as a, an, a one who followed the law, I was found to be blameless, now, even he knew he wasn't perfect, but blameless, like we often compare, uh, d- decide about what kind of people we are as we compare ourselves with others. And he, he looked at other people and said, look, at, I know I obey the law so much better, actually, than anybody I know. But at the end of his story, and it's found in Philippians 3, or at least one account of it, he says, look, at, I now look back at that, I count that all as rubbish. And he actually uses a stronger term in the original language. This is just Manure. All that self-effort should have just drove me to the point is I desperately need Jesus. I desperately need someone to rescue me from my own efforts to be good enough for God. And then he speaks. He says, now you've got people pointing you in the wrong direction, but I, I, I want you to remember. Now, you saw me as a person who came from that. Everybody knew Paul's story. His story was so strong that they knew him as the one who was always trying to kill what? What kind of people? Christians. Why? Because he was a follower of the law. I mean, if anyone was it, it, most unlikely to succeed as far as becoming a Christian, it was who? It was Paul. He said, you knew how I was, but then when I came to you with the message that set you free, you didn't do me harm. You did me good. And now I have a simple message to you. I, I want you to become as I am. As you remember, I was when I came to you with the message. I want you to follow my example. So as we think about it, the matters of the heart, now as pastor, as Paul turned from being that's another P Paul, professor and pastor, he went from being a professor to them just explaining the details of God's plan. From a pastor's heart, I want, I want to give you one uh, way to to get more close and to be more faithful in your walk with Jesus is. Pick out an example and follow that example. And and if you have no one else you can uh, pick out as an example, follow who? Follow me. And so as we think about living out God's heart for us, he wants us to become more (laughs) successful in our walk with him. And sometimes when we only look at Jesus... And we look at Jesus' high standard, right? Jesus is pretty hard to emulate in everything he, he does, right? And usually the excuse that I give and other people give when, when we aren't exactly like Jesus, what do you expect? He's who? He's God. That's a pretty good cop-out, isn't it? Or at least reason. I like to use a reason when I use it. It's a cop-out when you use it. But, but you know, it's saying, well, how can I? You know, you know, Jesus is, I mean, he was perfect. How do you expect me to be just like Jesus? He was God. And so he says, look it, okay, follow an example and, and follow someone who is doing his best to follow that perfect example. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he says, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. And, and really what an imitator is, is this person who, who allows someone else to make a mark, an impression on their life. And he says, I just want you to become like me who just is so filled with Following after Jesus, so that's, that's my simple message to you. Don't complicate it. But of course, he, God never wants us, and Paul didn't want us, to, to just be left to the point where we're just looking up to somebody else. That we're following someone else's Christian life. Because he wants us now to take that example and make that an example for somebody else. One uh, illustration of that is found in Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, 11 and 12. And if you're filling the blanks, if it's up there, really, what, are, what does God want us to do if we're really um, understanding his passion? We really are all in this together to help each other. So one, or A, so follow an example, and B, so be an example. Be an example. Timothy, and there's a lot of things about Timothy that we can relate to probably better than Paul. Paul had to tell Timothy, look, it, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love. And so Timothy almost rhymes with timid. And he was getting a little timid in his faith or a little apathetic in his faith. And he said, you need to stir up that which God has put in you. And in 1 Timothy 4, 11, 12, he says, prescribe and teach these things. And what was he what he's supposed to describe? he says, I, I want you to understand that you are called to be a person that doesn't make excuses. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. And the older I get, I could put it the other way. Don't let anyone look down on how old you are (laughs) or whatever age it is. Let no one look down on whatever stage of life you are in, but rather in speech, conduct, love, and faith, show yourself to be an example to those who believe. So he's just really speaking to them. In fact, actually, he's pleading with, he's begging you, I want you to get it. We're in this together, in this together to help each other, to be examples and to set examples. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? That's I want to say. You, you remember how we, how we met and, and you were in opposition to me. You were supportive because you realized where I had come and where I was. And this is where I'm still trying to be. And that's what you can do as well. So Paul the pastor pleads with his people from the heart. Number one, we really are all in this together to help each other. And then secondly, look at the next couple of verses. He says in verses 13 and 14, But you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Now that's a mouthful, isn't it? Again, he's just opening his heart. He said, "Look, again, let's remember our story together. Uh, and you can put it this way, we really are all to treat people like who? This, this is the word you can always use when people ask you a question in church. We are all to treat people like Jesus, right? And that's what he says, you know, when I came to you, there were a lot of reasons why you might not have liked me, okay? And, and let, can we all admit that sometimes we're shallow? Anybody out there want to admit you're shallow? Okay, and sometimes you see someone and you immediately make a judgment or, or impression in your mind of what kind of people they are by how they look. Some of you need for me to start all over again because you're not with me. All right. Okay. (laughs) We we really have a temptation to judge people based on how they look, right? He said, remember when I came to you? And by the way, a little backstory here, I I really wasn't going to come to you at that particular time as far as I know, but I had a I had an injury, I had an illness, and because I had an illness, I had to kind of stop your way, and, and I, when I was there with you, I preached the gospel to you. And, and when I was there, this illness was one of those, not one of those illnesses you could hide. There, there are certain illnesses, which usually are more of the serious type, if there's something wrong with your organs or something like that, you can't always look at that. But if someone has a cold, you know, had the flu or something like that, which is not as serious as something internal going wrong, um, it shows, doesn't it? And when, when people look kind of sick, do you like to hang around people who are sick? You want to stay away from them. In fact, there's a, <laughs> there was a cliche of that day is that when someone, and this, some people guessed that he might have the mal- malaria, and it didn't totally debilitate him, but it did affect him, and one of the things that malaria had done, it somehow, the infection went up to his eye, and his eye was showing weird stuff, and, and sometimes when someone to have an eye, eye problem, they would call it an evil eye or a... a a dirty eye, and the idea was there is that when, when, when you'd see someone with an evil eye or a, or a, a sick eye, you would, you would walk around them and you'd spit on the ground and just keep on going. Like, I mean, you just despised how they looked and, and maybe you're thinking, could you just stay home and not let us look at that? And he says, you know, when I was there, that's not how you treated me because you didn't just look at the externals. You, you just didn't get preoccupied to how I looked or, or maybe my accent, how I talked, or, or as we think about it, maybe Paul's size. Some people think that he was a very short man. There was nothing about him that was attractive. But you heard my message, and you began to, to treat me as an angel, an angel of God. In fact, you, 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 met, you, you treat me like Jesus because I was giving the message of Jesus. And again, if you somehow miss the idea of an angel, an is a messenger, and you treat me as a messenger of God. And so as we think about God's call for us in life is that we need to be people who, who look at others not so much as how they look on the outside, but what God can do in them on the inside. And that's what they grabbed from Paul. It wasn't the externals, but what really was on the inside that was so attractive to them. So we are called to treat people like Jesus. In fact, the Bible says in Luke 631, uh, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Don't shun other people. If you, if you know some people that, that others won't go to, then you be the first person to go to those kind of people. Or those type of people. Or the people who maybe just, they, they aren't your people, all right? They're God's people. God created everyone in his image, and everyone has the opportunity to respond to Jesus. So let's, let's be people who love others. That's the badge of the Christian, when we love others as God wants us to love him. And, you know, it, it, when it, it's really interesting. I'll watch my time a little bit. But in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, this picture of Paul was really the picture we have physically of Jesus. Let me just turn to that passage in Isaiah. In Isaiah 53, we, we have that great passage in which the prophet speaks about the one who is to come. Who has believed our message, verse 1, And and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root in parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. And that's that same one he speaks out in verse 4 Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. And we were like sheep that had gone astray, and each of us turned his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And who was that him? Jesus. He had no stately form, no majesty about him physically, nothing in his parents that attracted others to him. And yet, his voice has been heard throughout history and through every corner of the earth because Jesus had a message. He wanted to attract people with his love and not just the external. And so as we think about how we do life together, we do life together recognizing that we are in this thing together to help each other and we are to be people who treat people like we would want to treat Jesus if he was here in physical form. But then he goes on again, as he's speaking from the heart, he goes on in verse 15, and he, he just shares another part of his heart. Where, there, where then is the sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked your eye and give them to me. And he says, you know, about some of them, they were struggling about, do we bless Paul or we bless these other teachers? Do we bless the message Paul gave us or we bless the message other people are are changing in terms of what you believe and and who really is this Jesus and is what he's done sufficient for us? Did did Paul somehow uh, get the message wrong and 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 they were struggling and he said, oh, oh, by the way, just look back. Remember when I was here? <laughs> Remember that eye that was oozing that, you know, you kind of had to look away or look, look at the other side of my face? You, you had come to the point where you loved me, not because I was lovable. I mean, he was not lovable physically. But he was lovable because of what he was sharing with them. And he said, he said you know what? You, you had come to that point that, that you had come to me and communicated that if somehow... You could take out your healthy eye and give it for my diseased eye. You would have done it. So he's not now arguing with them with the details of the text of the Old Testament and that which had been written and said to them in their recent past. He's just appealing just to their heart. Remember remember how much you loved me when I was unlovable? And there was only one reason. It was the message. 1 John 3.18 says, Let us not simply love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And they were willing to take out their eye for him. So he's simply appealing again to the story, the story of what God had done in their life. You can turn your page. usually <laughs> you beat me on this one, all right? Um, but he continues on opening up his heart. And now he gets back to kind of his sweet spot in terms of how he really communicates. And normally he's just hammering truth at them. And now in verses 16 through 18, he says this. So if I become your enemy by telling you the truth, and let's be honest. Again, is it right to be honest in church? You know, sometimes we're shallow, right? We already admitted that. You know, sometimes uh, we look more on the externals rather than that, which is really on the inside. Uh, now he's saying, look, at, I, I, I know you're struggling with me because I told you the truth. And sometimes the truth is, is hard to hear, right? Okay, so I told you the truth. And he goes on to verse the uh, next verse. He says, They eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they seek to shut you to shut you, not out, shut you out, that you will seek them. He says, okay, I I guess I've got to tell you the truth again. You're getting getting that message, but you're getting two messages. You have to evaluate which message is true and which message is here to help you and which message is here to hurt you. We could go to a variety of passages in in the New Testament, and and particularly from Jesus. In Matthew 23, among other things, he was speaking about those who were... um, missionaries for the Jewish faith, and he said, you go from every part of the world to grab a, a proselyte, grab someone to, to become a converted Jew, but you know what you do? You, you ask them to do things you're not doing. You put more bondage on them that you're willing to even go after, and you make them, their lives more miserable than joyful. Is that, is that what, was that my message to you? Or it was my message to set you free from the bondage you were in and to, to allow you to experience the joy that only God can give you through Jesus. So he, he was just speaking truth to them, and, and, and now he was speaking truth to them. And, hey, you're falling away from that. And then in verse 18, he goes this, But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner, and not only when I am present with you. So what's the point there? You could put it this way. We really are all to want the truth and nothing but the truth, right? There were times, and there still are times. If you're honest about reading the Bible at times, are there things in the Bible that bother you? Are things in the Bible that, you know, you'd rather not try to apply? Are there things that happen where you'd say, well, I wish I hadn't read that? And that's what he's saying here. You know, when after, when right, and it can be in the the most fundamental areas. You don't want to read passage on forgiveness when you're mad at somebody, right? You you don't want to give up that that grudge. You don't want to hear those passages of being careful not to be bitter and holding grudges when when that's exactly what you want to do. When you feel better than somebody else, you don't want to read passage where it talks about not being self-righteous. You don't, you don't want to hear passages when you, you know that God wants you to serve or help somebody and, and go the extra mile. I don't even want to go the first mile of that person, right? And so he, he just pleads with them. Like, we want to know the truth. And there's so many things about the truth that is just essential for us. And just hearing the truth and, and spending time in the truth is what really helps us to draw close to him. In John 17, 17, Jesus, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. The word sanctification is, is a religious word. It simply means set apart. It's, it's made in that what you're supposed to be all about. And he said, how does that happen? It was with God's truth. The truth changes from the inside out. That's what Romans 12, 2 is about. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. You change how you think. It will change how you feel. It will change how you live. He said, "I was just giving you the truth." But as Paul opens up his heart, and he's opened his heart in a bright, different ways, where he wants, "Hey, we're in this together. This fall, be an example and follow an example. That's what we're supposed to be all about." And if we miss the whole main point, the idea is that we we all need to be more like Jesus, and how we're more like Jesus to treat people like Jesus treated people. And, and as we think about that, it's also all about recognizing that if we treat people like Jesus, then we're going to have to love people. Even sacrificially, we go the extra mile. I'd be willing to pluck my eye out for your eye. And then we've got to be people who are so motivated by the truth that we want to hear the truth and nothing but the truth. And we don't want to necessarily do the truth, but this is what really God's plan is for our life. But then as we think about it again, he gets back to what we ought to get back to. He he says we all ought to get back to Jesus. So look at 19 and 20. He says, My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. He kind of borrows a a motherly term there. And as a man, I mean, he could only speak about it. He couldn't give testimony about it. You know, like when, when... women when you bring new life into this world you talk about it is a what a labor right He said well i'm not giving you physical birth but i'm giving i gave you spiritual birth and i want to give you spiritual maturation i want you to mature and i'm laboring i don't only have really one goal i want to be, have christ formed in you but i could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone for i am perplexed about you so he starts to go back to where he was, being the professor more than the pastor. He said, look, I, I have to be honest with you. I, I had to come on strong because I, I, was just, I was just dumbfounded. I was just overwhelmed. by it. How could you leave the message of Jesus for somebody else's message that people are tweaking, turning around, and not making it what it really is? But I want you to understand that I only really have one goal. I, I, I really don't want you to become my disciples. I want to be your example but I want you to be examples of Jesus. I want you, I want you to have Jesus be your example. I want you to be following of Jesus. And, and really the goal is to be more like I want you to, to be formed in the image of Jesus. In your life group this week, you'll look at a variety of passages that emphasize that. Uh, the, the goal of the Christian life is to know Jesus more and have Jesus shape us in the character of who God is all about. That's really what the verse of the month is all about. The the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of walking with Jesus is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And he has that phrase, against some things there is no law, and you can look at that a couple different places. Number one, if we were all doing that, would you have to write any other laws if we are always loving, always joyful, always patient, always kind, always good, always faithful, always gentle, always under self-control, would you have to worry about how we acted and behaved in life? Of course not. And so this is what it's all about is having Jesus formed in you. And it's it's a God thing, not a man thing. We just pursue him. And when we pursue him, we'll become like him. And so what did what did Paul... Do in this section in Galatians, Colossians 1.28 really has the same idea. He says, "Look at," uh, uh," he says, "Look, I want you to understand what I'm all about. I'm all about teaching and admonishing everyone with wisdom to become complete in Christ." He said that's he summarized that was his message to the church of Colossae, and really every message he had to every church was the same message. I want you to become more like Jesus for your good and everyone else's good. Your life is so much more when you're like Jesus, and your ability to help others is so much more impactful when you're just like Jesus. So what's the point this morning? Is it a Hallmark movie? (laughs) Or is it simply a plea from Paul to his people? Live out God's heart for you through your heart. Let's pray. Father, help us prepare our hearts for remembering what it's all about. It's really all about what Jesus died and who Jesus is. And Father, if there be anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, might be recognized there really is only one message of the church, and that's Jesus. He died and rose again on our behalf, so that our sins could be paid for, and we could know God fully and completely. Because that which separates us from God, our sin, has been dealt with on the cross. Help us all to put our full faith and confidence in the one who came for us. In Jesus' name, amen.